God is love. As Carrie said earlier, this is the year of movement. People are transitioning. People are changing positions. People are changing locations. And movement without God's supernatural, divine power and love is perverted. Amen. I'm going to unveil God's love tonight. I want to unveil the difference between divine love and perverted love. Because we have to know the two, or we'll never get this right. Because this year is supposed to be a movement that you've never experienced before. Only if you're flowing in his divine love. Perverted love will get you off track. Remember what Jesus said, don't, don't turn to the left or the right. Because adversity and opposition and temptations will get you to turn to the right or turn to the left and miss the movement of God. Amen. So I want to give you some nuggets tonight on how to stay on track with God. Brooke texted me this week and said, Dad, what is the interpretation of deep cause unto deep? And I was driving. And I think that scripture is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But I always thought about that. I said, what does that mean? So I was pondering it while I was driving. Then I stopped at a red light, and it just kind of flowed out of me. And this is what the Lord said, deep. The deep things of God are the mysteries of God, which are the mysteries of love. That's the mystery of God, is the mystery of love which is the revelation of God. So the revelation of God calls into the revelation of God. God is attracted to himself. If we can get that part right, get that mindset, he's attracted to me because he's in me. He's attracted to you because he's in you. He is the great I am. He never said he was love. He says, I am the great I am. Right? He is the great I am. The fruit of the great I am is love. The fruit of God is love. He said, I am the great I am. So it says, so the revelation of God calls into the revelation of God. The revelation of God is Christ in us. Calling on the revelation of the Father. That's the key. Christ in us, calling on the revelation of the Father, who is in the secret place. We got into the secret place tonight. When that heavy presence comes into the place, you're in the secret place of God. The devil can't see you. He can't find you. He don't know where you went. Because you're in a secret place. Amen? So that was the interpretation that God gave me. So Matthew 6, 3, Todd, you don't have to put this on the screen, or Carl. Carl's our new disciple back there on the, on the sound booth. Praise God for Carl. <laughs> Praise God. We went from, went, went from Richard to Todd. Carrie. No, Carrie. Oh, oh yeah. Carrie. <laughs> what do you mean? And I told Richard, I said, oh, you're moving out of the sound booth. And he kind of looked perplexed. But now he sees why, because he's got all these children now, right? <laughs> he's a man of faith. 
And praise God, an awesome, beautiful wife. Only God could give him a wife like that. I'm only God could give you a wife. Only God could give me a wife like this. Amen. So Matthew 6, 3 says, But when you give love, which is charity, do not let your hand know what your right hand is doing. Let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now let's think about that. That's focused love. That's focused love. It's not tempted love. Amen? The devil wants to tempt your right hand, and he wants to tempt your left hand, so he can pervert the divine love that's in you. And man, how crafty he is. Now, this might challenge your mind for a little while, but I'm gonna, we're going to unveil this tonight. Deep calls under, Matthew 6, 4 says, so that your deeds of love may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How many of y'all been rewarded openly because you went into your secret place, you went into your inner room, and you worship God? That's the only way he's going to reward you openly, is you've got to get in that secret place. Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, go into your most private room, closing the door, and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. I have a war room. I love my war room. And the speakers are awesome. We took the speakers out of the salt box. There's big bow speakers, and they're in the war room right now. So you can hear it coming down the street. The, the war room's rocking all, all night long. But I sold my jet skis to a guy, and um, young guy, college guy, and he, he texted me while I was in worship. He said, can I bring the cash by and, uh, for the jet skis? And I said, sure, just knock on the war room door. And I was halfway into the war room. And he knocked in, and I said, come on in. He opened up the door and went, ugh. He went like this. And he stood like this for about 10 or 15 minutes, didn't say a word. His eyes were this big around. I don't know what he saw. But I know the light was bright in that place. It's that inner room that you meet God. You can't meet him in your car like you can meet him in the inner room. Get, your, get yourself a room that you designate to God, a closet or something, and say, God, this is yours. It's just for you. It's for nobody else but you. And you'll see him reward you openly. So deep means far into or inside something. Far into or inside something. And that was, that's not my message, but I want to get that out. But this year is a year of movement. Satan counterfeits what God is doing to get the people of God off track. You got to be careful who you're hanging around, man. You got to be careful who you're hanging around. Because you got to know them before you spend time with them. That means check them out. See what kind of lifestyle they're living. Because we are in perilous times. And we cannot be hanging around with somebody that's deceived or trying to deceive me to get me off track with God. Amen? You've got to use wisdom on who you invite in your home. Because if it disrupts your peace, then you just missed God. Amen? Even though we're called to people, but my home's my sanctuary. My home's my sanctuary. That's where God dwells. 
So not all movements are from God. God released this year to be movements, but not all movements are going to be from God. And I'm going to show you how to discern this tonight to make sure it's God moving you and not Satan deceiving you to move. So let's look at Romans 13.8. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Have you given what's due another? Let's check ourselves for a minute. Have I given what's due another? When you wake up each morning, someone's in your house that's due love. When you come to your workplace, there's someone at your workplace that's due love. Carrie was a prime example in that, in that encounter. She was due love. And love showed up. Amen. And thank God there's no jealousy in the body of Christ. Praise God. Because when you're in divine love, you're operating in divine love, you see with eyes of purity, and all you see is purity. Amen. A perverted love sees something wrong, but purity sees no wrong. Amen. So I thank God for y'all's relationship. I'm not talking about a perverted love, but God's supernatural love. Perverted love harms and hurts people. Perverted love harms and hurts people. How many of you ever hurt somebody? All of us have. Doesn't it feel awful? Just feels awful. And we wish we'd never done it. How many of you all married the wrong people? Come on. Charlie, who's that? Charlie Brown? Amen. Oh, <laughs> I said he'd been married 50 years. I wonder who his first one was. <laughs> yes, yes, we all have. <laughs> when he said amen to that, I figured, oh, Lord, Charlie's got a first wife we don't know about. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm. I love that. That's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Love does no harm. That's how I bring thoughts captive. I say, well, 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 well what I'm going to do is going to harm this person. Is this thought, this word, going to bring this person down? Because if it brings them down, you just got off track. <laughs> it's called perverted love. Jesus never brought anybody down. He corrected them and then edified them. That's how you do it. You build them up. It's amazing how we can hide behind ministry or doing something for God, but leaving our family bankrupt with love. Deficit, a love deficit. Empty with love. Amen. This is called perverted love. And its return is death. Its return is death. We need to ask God, let us see the people the way he sees them. Just ask God, Lord, let me, this person is driving me absolutely crazy. Let me see them the way you see them. Amen. And he will show you their heart. And that's what I try to get focused on. Everybody comes through this door, I want to see their heart. I don't care what they did, because what they did, I've done 10 times worse. 
and God's grace put me up here. Amen. It's unmerited favor. None of us deserve to, to be where he has us right now. And that's why we praise him. So the greatest, listen, the greatest love letter ever written to you is this one right here. This is a love letter. This letter needs to be opened up every day and read. Because every time you open it up, God's saying, I love you. And he's going to reveal himself to you. Especially now. These times, he wants to reveal himself to you. But until we open this up, he can't speak. Because this is how we learn his voice. Is this word. This word trains my senses to understand God. Love survives when nothing else can. Amen? You see long, mar uh, long marriages, how many years? 43 years. In the chambers, how was the chambers? 50-something years. What kept them together? Love survived those relationships. Love is the ultimate signature of God. And this is why we celebrate and praise his name. For it was love that led him to the cross. It was love that held him there. Can you imagine? It was love that held him there. And love, it was love that overwhelmed the grave. Who have we overwhelmed? Someone's death situation. Someone's life is just miserable. Have we overwhelmed them with love? We have it in us. We have that resurrection in us. That resurrected love is in us. We need to overwhelm somebody with love. Carrie overwhelmed someone with love. Amen? Listen, the last move of God is not going to be in this church. It's going to be in the hotel places. It's going to be in the restaurants. It's going to be in the street. It's going to be on the cruise lines. Amen? So that's a reason to go every year. Yes. <laughs> We're in the game now, aren't we? When you reach the point of burnout, exasperated, and ready to pick a, pick a fight, God wants to provide you with everything you need. I mean, it is right there. The kingdom of God is at hand. Right there. When I am totally burnt out, totally exasperated, I've been under attack all day long by this devil. Sometimes he don't want, when I, when I teach on love, he comes. I told Carrie in the comfort room, be ready because I may not be able to speak. But the Lord said up there, he said, no, I'm going to anoint you to speak. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him and what he can do through us. Amen? He said, you've got to lay this foundation tonight because I want your teachers to build on it. There are three steps, four steps to divine love encounters. Deep calling on to deep. Let's look at these four steps on the screen. Number one, these are steps to access change and the supernatural power of God. This is what I've learned from God right here. This is the only way that you're going to access change and the supernatural power of God in your life. You've got to commit to die to self 
by presenting your body a living sacrifice. And I'm going to explain what that is. Number two, continually surrendering your will to God. Get up every morning, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today. You have my will. Number three, submerge yourself in the baptism of love. And that's what we're going to be focused on tonight. The baptism of love. I never heard that before until the Lord revealed it to me. He said there's a baptism. And it's called love. Number four, choose to lose the selfish life of the flesh to win the abundant life of the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? We can live the abundant life. If we commit to these four steps, and get, I guarantee you, you will have every desire of your heart. Why? Because God has a desire for you. Isn't it amazing that, that some of us hadn't, hadn't even met the Father yet? We met Jesus, and Jesus said, Father and I are one. But I'm telling you, when your mind gets sanctified with the truth of God, you're going to meet Daddy. He's going to overwhelm you with his presence and with his goodness. He's the father of all good things. So if you've got some good things in your life, then he's met, he's, you've met him, okay? So steps to access change and the supernatural power of God. There's a path we need to walk that will lead us to change and the supernatural power of God. And it's the same path that Christ walked. Let's look at number one. Commit to die to your die to self by presenting your body a living sacrifice. Let's look at Romans 12.1. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. What is a living sacrifice? Everything God does on the earth requires a commitment. And God sees the death of carnal self as a commitment. Death to self is not an event. It is a constant. Now here's the key. You just don't do it one time. It's a constant, continuous lifestyle that can only be carried out by the supernatural grace of God. We can't die by ourselves. We've got to have grace to lay down our life for one another. We have to have grace to get rid of this selfish attitude I have. It's grace. And grace is unmerited favor, but what activates grace is faith in God. God's bringing this church totally back around to faith. It got off of faith. Got into sectarianism and humanism and all these things. It's God is bringing this church back to faith. When dying to self is not a lifestyle, God sees it as a lack of commitment. It's got to be a lifestyle. Paul said, I die daily. Do we die daily? When I get up in the morning, do, what am I thinking about? What are you thinking about? <laughs> are you thinking about the people that you're going to encounter? as an ambassador of God, and deliver that love to them. It's a hopeless generation, and they need the hope of glory that's in us. God gives supernatural grace when we decide to live 
for another. That's how grace is released. When Carl Mamie got up here and, and God had the foot washing going on, that was an exchange going on. That was grace being exhibited and released in their life to bring everything back into God's perspective to wholeness so that they could really experience the love that they have never experienced from each other. They've never, she's never met Carl to that night. How many years y'all been married? Seven years. Amen. And the testimony I love about these two is when, when Carl winks at her or something and she blushes. Now who does that after seven years? Amen? It's a divine love. It's a divine grace. And, and the beauty part about it is you're going to grow in it now. That's the exciting part. God starts in a, on a foundation, and now you grow into this beautiful love. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.5. It says, Come, and like living stones, be yourselves built up into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Now let's look at these spiritual sacrifices. If you'll do these, you know, people say, well, I, I can't present my body a living sacrifice because I can't stop fornicating. I can't stop committing adultery. I can't stop having sex with and all this kind of stuff. If you'll just do these, God will do that. Amen? We, we get so focused on what we have to give up, we don't have the power to give it up. Amen? We don't have the power. And the devil gets us focused on that. And you just can't do it by yourself. It takes God's grace to do it. So here, here are the spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Prayer, worship, offerings, and intercession. Not ministry. The Lord just told him, not ministry. That burped out of me. Not ministry. That's not a spiritual sacrifice. Not ministry. Ministry is not a sacrifice. Ministry is a calling. Ministry is something you can't repent from or turn from. It'll track you down all your life. Amen? It'll track you down. And if you're a Christian, you're a minister. The Bible says you're a minister. Some people have different ministries, but everybody is a minister in the body of Christ. And if you got one area of your life miserable, then he's tracking you down. Amen? He wants to remove that misery and replace it with joy and peace and love. Because once you step into your destiny, that's what's going to flow into your life. Joy, peace, and love. So each time we sacrifice to do these things, we get closer to God. When we sacrifice to do those four things, prayer, worship, uh, uh, offerings, and intercession, we get closer to God. And when we get closer to God, we get closer to what? Love. A love that's not perverted. A love that's divine. A love that's beyond my ability to love. When God has you and your love, he gives 
what he has for you, to you. Church people are dying because they've grown cold. They haven't got their desires met. We get too focused on the desires. And we pervert the love that's going to bring that desire to pass. We got to get focused on God. We got to do those four things and get focused on Him. So if you want God to give you the power and the grace to die to self, decide and commit to your next level of death. So the cruise line is over. God says, I'm going to put them on a vacation for a little while. And then I got to ask them to commit to another level of death. That should excite you more than the cruise line. Amen? Because that's where you meet Jesus at another level. <laughs> and, you know, what's the next cruise line above Carnival? Okay, that's where you're going next. But you got to make a commitment tonight. You're dying to that next level. This means that your next level in resurrected life is associated with the death of the flesh. Let me give you an example. Would you die to sleeping late to wake up to see God? Would you die to sleeping late to wake up to... Uh, do your spiritual sacrifices. That's strong. That's strong. Would you die to being angry and be kind to the one who made you angry? Mamie? See, Grace was working with Mamie in that testimony. You, you, you can't die to these things. Grace does it for you. But if you would do the four things right here, present your, your, your body a living sacrifice unto God, you will start releasing grace in every area of your life, and grace will help you die, and grace will help you commit to the next level of death with joy. I get excited when my flesh starts coming into manifestation. Amen? Because I know God is moving in on this temple. God is moving in on me to bring me to a next level in Him so I can get my next level of desires met. Because He said, if you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart. Man, how many times are we seeking that desire out and end up perverting the divine love that's in us, prostituting that love only to end up in what? Death. Over and over again. Over and over again. So are we getting this so far? Movement this year is going to depend on your commitment to die. Number two, continually surrender your will to God. Listen, since Adam and Eve, God is seeking one thing in man, and that's his will. That's the only thing he doesn't have, is your will. The only thing he's given you freedom to do is to choose. 
him or the enemy. Life or death, blessing or curse. He's given you that freedom to do that. So when, when we surrender our will to God, every bad influence that was attached to us has to fall off. When you totally surrender your will to God, say, not my will, but yours, God. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to surrender my will to you. Believe me, he's going to show up. He's going to show you what he wants you to do. And you can be assured that everything that's tormented you, everything that's rooted in you, has got to fall off of you when you make that commitment. So in other words, when we surrender our will to his Everything bad that's rooted in my life has to run, has to leave. Because he said, when you submit to God, you resist the devil, and he what? He runs. Why does he run? What's he afraid of? Love. He's afraid of love. Because why? Love conquers all things. And another verse says, Yet we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. How can you be more than a conqueror? Think about that. How can you be more than a conqueror? How can you be more than what you've conquered? What that verse means is I'm going to have dominion over what I've conquered. That's what it means to have more is dominion. That's the final leg of the race right there. Is for the church of Jesus Christ to have dominion in the earth. Number three, submerge yourself in the baptism of love. You know, the scripture uh, mentioned different types of baptism. You got the baptism in the Christ, you got the baptism of water, you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you got the baptism of love. It doesn't spell that out in the word like that, but there are four baptisms. And it's called the baptism of love. And that's what I want to focus on tonight is the baptism of love. And the word baptize, if you look at the screen, to completely submerge something in a substance, to cover it from head to toe. Can you, can, wouldn't that just feel so awesome to be submerged from head to toe in God's love? Man, you would be the most selfless person on the earth. Because we don't realize that that's all we're looking for is his love. That's the only thing he created us for was to love him. He didn't create us to enjoy all things. He created us to love him. He created us to love him. He's given us all things to enjoy that pertain to his life and to his godliness. So when you receive the baptism of love, you are completely submerged in the same. Does that make sense? After you have reached a place of total absence to self, you have reached the place of the baptism of love. Total absence to self. God knows what we need. He created us to need things because... He's the only one that can meet that need. Amen? So he wants to meet every need that you have. We can't do it. But when he does it, self goes away. All we have to do is make the commitment. We have to be committed 
and we have to die to selfishness. And he'll do the rest. It's easy to say that. It's easy to have a mindset. But when you go through your trial, and when you go through your... This chart right here we had made up, I think it's pretty cool, because we kind of layered it so we could teach it. We did lay that down. But this is a vision the Lord gave me, and if you can just get this right, you will know how God is advancing in you and through you. This is the advancing of the kingdom of God from within. So you have your spirit, you have your soul, you have your awareness of grace, you have your uh, the trinity at one is the abundant life. When the whole trinity comes together inside of me and grows up inside of me, when the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one inside of me, then I am living the abundant life. Amen. Here's where you're, you're, if we just get the seasons down, we'll get the movement of God down. You, had your, you have one season for adversity, you have one season uh, for temptation, and you have one season for opposition. If you can get that down, you can move with God. But most of us don't know the difference between a trial and opposition. And most of us don't realize that when we're in a rest at perfect peace and, and, and the devil comes to tempt us, that God hasn't released me from that rest yet. Because my healing has not taken place. God will never put you in your assignment with open wounds. Just before the Holy Ghost stitches up that last little uh, hurt, the devil comes with temptation. Boom. Amen. You've been sitting too long in your rest. You need to do something for God. Remember that? He tempts you to do something for God. I hate the devil. He knows I hate him. You hate him too. Praise God. So absence to self is the sign of the baptism of love. So in the baptism of love, death to self takes place. Here is when you give God permission to be him in you and to love with his love. To be him in you and to love with his love. So in the baptism of love, the acceleration of the kingdom of God takes place because it flows freely now. It flows freely now. When you're, when you're, when you're dead to self, when you, you, every day you wake up and God is just on your agenda. He's the only thing that's on my agenda. He's the only thing that should be on your agenda. Then you can be assured that the anointing and the presence of God is flowing through your life. That's what happened to Carrie. It was flowing. The anointing. The anointing can't get you to tear up. The anointing excites you. The presence of God gets you to tear up because you met a divine love. It was an encounter. Amen. We need to carry the presence. He said the glorious sons of God are what? Led by the Spirit of God. You see how they were led on the cruise? Tori heard from God. She'd say, we got to do this. we got to do that. And they had an encounter. And the people started weeping. 
These are glorious sons of God. Isn't it awesome to have such a young group that's hearing from God? Come on, this is awesome. And children that's hearing from God. It's, it excites me. Man, I, I'm so proud of everybody. I'm so proud of all our ministers and all the work that everybody labors to these, this young group to bring them up uh, because we labor every day around here, don't we? Either in the business or in the ministry, we labor to get people to grow up. We don't beat them up. We help them grow up. The only way that you can get the spirit of love to grow is to love. The only way that you can get a person to grow is to love. They'll never, get, they'll never grow if, you're getting, if they're beat up. They'll never grow. We need love. And some people are just hard-headed in receiving it. <laughs> Amen? We've all been there. We've had those kind of people around. They're just hard-headed. They want to take that love and pervert it. Even though my love was pure going out, right? But it gets turned back on me. That's perverted love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. Listen, when you are empty of yourself, the old nature, the old man, no curse can remain in your life. That's what carries experience. That's what you all experience. You get in these situations and this old stuff doesn't come up anymore. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. And you can be assured it will never come up again. Because once the Word of God gets in there and remains, no devil can take it out. No devil can take it out. It's a part of you. That Word is a part of you now. That's the blessing of moving from the church age to the kingdom age. Amen. I want to be a kingdom son of God. I want to be a kingdom son for God. So I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge and all the faith as, all the faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Listen, the church, the people, the world is not looking for prophecy. The world is not looking for a word of knowledge. The world is looking for divine love. And he's looking, the world is looking to the church for that love. And finding it deficit of that love. Amen. You ought to feel it in the atmosphere when you come in. Man, I've been in some cold churches. I feel like Jesus departed 100 years from that church. <laughs> And he'd been gone a long time, and they're still preaching about him. <laughs> oh, Lord, Jesus. It reminds me of the Sadducees and Pharisees preaching to the Word. Man, he was standing right there, and they was preaching to him. The living Word was right there, they're still preaching to him. My Lord, Jesus. When his presence leaves, I'm gone. I'm going to find out where he went because I'm going to follow him. And you, be, you do the same. You do the same. So the church needs to experience this kind of love. Number four, choose to lose the selfish life of the flesh to win the abundant life of the Spirit. John 12, 24 and 25. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain, and he who loves his life will lose it. I may have been there. Didn't you love your life before you come in here? <laughs> Everybody loved their life before they came in here, and they had to lose it. Not knowing that what was coming up was better. I mean, if you, if you, some of you are new to, tonight, but if you've seen this young group, what, two years ago, three years ago? Tori said he didn't even talk about God two years ago, <laughs> three years ago. Now he's a minister, awesome minister. It tells you what King Jesus can do for his church, for his people that are surrendered to him in worship and prayer and intercession, those four things that we talked about, living sacrifice. So love alone, this is awesome, love alone is exhaustible. It's perverted. God's love is inexhaustible. You can't not wear out his love. So if you're exhausted from loving somebody, then that tells me that you're in a perverted love. Thank God that Jesus never got exhausted. Amen? He never got exhausted. So for the young, young group, if you're in an exhausting relationship, then I think I'd run from that relationship because God's love is not in there. Amen? And get right with God before you get married. Get right with God. And I'll guarantee you, he will hook you up with the right one. So love that dies to self is inexhaustible. Love that dies to self is inexhaustible. Listen, you are that seed, and you can do anything you want with it. Your life is a seed. God has given you a choice, a will, to do anything you want with it, but he wants your will. He wants you to choose him. You can keep it. You can keep your old life, or you can plant it into someone else's life. That's strong. So let's think about that. Where am I going to plant my life? Well, I know Carl's planting his in the Mamie. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Mamie and the Carl. <laughs> now the Holy Ghost laughter is going to come on her. <laughs> the world is full of people who feel alone. Give your life for someone else so they can experience God, the God of love. John, let's look at 1 John 3.16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for one another. There you go. There's your seed. This means giving up what you want for what someone else needs. This means not eating so someone else can eat. Amen. Not thinking of yourself so we can think of someone else. Jesus laid down his life so we could be here tonight. 
We wouldn't be congregating tonight if it wasn't for that seed. His life given to us. We have to do the same for each other. And you can tell how God tests your mind and your heart continually because he'll test you. He's going to test that selfish nature. And if there's a struggle, then you know, you just, man, you better let it go. Go ahead and lay it down. Lay it down. Go ahead and give the person what they want. And God, it's amazing. I've seen God do crazy things before. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and I didn't want to lay my life down for this or lay my life down for that. I thought it was totally absurd. But it was amazing how it all turned out. Just absolutely amazing. So, I, I do what he tells me to do most of the time. But I know it's him. I'm going to do it. That's what I tell him. You, you made me. You designed me. You know what it takes for me to hear you. <laughs> That's what I tell him all the time. You created this guy right here. And you need to know, I, you know what it takes for me to absolutely hear you. Because we don't want to miss God. We don't want to miss him. He's too good to miss him. All right, look at the screen. We do not know how to live in the spirit until we attend our own funeral. <laughs> the funeral of the old man. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You're attending your own funeral? We spend too much time at the wake. <laughs> Standing up, watching over the dead body. Pumping life into it to meet a carnal desire. <laughs> Pumping life into it to meet a carnal desire. Christians, Christians spend too much time resisting death, resisting the burial of the old self. And every time you're going into a trial or adversity or anything like that, you are at the wake. You are at the wake. And I know some of you know, some of you know, but who doesn't know the difference between adversity and opposition? Everybody knows? Doesn't? <laughs> I love Charlie Brown. I love Charlie Socks. Charlie Brown is the one that prompted me to buy the same kind of socks because they make me laugh. Right, so when Paul, when Paul said, I have fears on the inside and conflicts on the outside, that's adversity, that's trouble. But when you die to self, when you are at the wake, and you don't look at that old man's body no more, you turn away from it and look to God, God will replace with himself what the old man had in you. All right? And then once you come out of that trial, you'll go into a rest, a peace. You'll find a peace. And that doesn't mean you're healed. You got delivered. You didn't get healed yet, right? So God's going to heal you now. So he wants you to commune with him. That's the communion time with the Father. That's communing with the Father. You... Jesus has already done his work in the trial. Jesus already came in, did his power, released you from that trial, put his word in there, and now you're in the recovery room. And like I said, God releases you out of your rest to do something for him. 
have dominion over something for him. And then opposition shows up. And it looks just like adversity. Because it's all trouble. But the difference is, the fear is not in me anymore. There's conflict all around me, but it's not in me anymore. And that's a blessed place to be. That's a blessed place to be. So use that as a sign that movement, the proper movement is happening. Uh, let's see, where, where do I get off? Uh, did we do 12, yeah, inexhaustible, let's see, John, 1 John 3, 16, we got that. Um, we do not, okay, the old man. Self has its own defense mechanisms. Let's write these three things down. They won't be on the screen. These are the three defense mechanisms of self so that you can, you can, you can mark it, you can identify it as self trying to resurrect to get me off track. All right, here's number one. Self-protection. If you have to feel like you had to protect yourself, then you just missed the mark. God protects you. Man will never protect you. God protects you. So if you feel like you've got to protect yourself, then you missed it. Number two is self-survival. Everybody says they're in survival mode. I said, I'm not in survival mode. I'm past that. Self-survival is another sign that self is trying to resurrect. Number three, self-want. Self-want. We want this, we want that, we want this, we want that. When Jesus said there's no want to those who are what? There's no want to those who keep their eyes on him. Because he satisfies every want. He satisfies every need. When we die to self, the new life that is born is eternal and abundant in God. So let's look at this conclusion. And, um, and I got a little bit more to go. You can go to 100 counselors and attend. That's, that's the conclusion of, what do you call it, part one. I'm trying, I'm trying to explode your minds tonight. I'm going to pack in this in there like that. All right? You can go to 100 counselors, attend every conference, go through inner healing and deliverance, and break every personal curse. But if you do not die, there will be no change or transformation in your life. I've seen people go to counselors, go to here, go to that, go to that, go to that. And there's no change. There's no there might be a temporary change, but there's no transformation. That's the difference. You got to have transformation. I mean, you got to start looking like God and not yourself anymore. All right? Scroll it up. Was that it? You will lose everything that you have won in God, and his supernatural power will not flow legally. I mean, he lost everything. His supernatural flow will not, will, will not flow legally in your life. Legal love is illegal to the flesh. Legal love is illegal to the flesh. It wants nothing to do with it. God's love is legal. Everything outside of that is illegal. And that, we're going to call that natural love. 
You have a divine love, you have a natural love. I'm trying to identify the two for y'all tonight. Dying to self leads us to a new level of victory. It makes it possible for us to maintain our deliverance, our blessings, and our healings. Dying helps us to maintain our changes and advance and transformation. All right, I'm going to move ahead. Because there's something I want you to get here. A continual, often supernatural, fresh encounter with love makes God real to you. That's strong. A continual, often supernatural, fresh encounter with love makes God real to you. And that first encounter shouldn't be with a person. It should be with him in that secret place, in that inner room, that closet. I love Paul said he died daily. No wonder he flowed in Revelation. If you want Revelation, that's how you're going to get it. You got to die daily. So when trials come to you, if God is not low, I love this one. If God is not real to you, those things will be more real to you than God. <laughs> Chris had to look at that one. When trials come to you, if God is not real to you, those things will be more real than God. That's why we don't make it through the trials. That's why you've got to have a, a company of witnesses around you. When you come in here, you're going to have a company of witnesses around you that have already been through it, and we're going to help you pull, help pull you out of this thing. I always tell people you've got to love people out of where they are. That's the only way you're going to get victory. So that's a reality check. You will be more real. Your will, you will be more real to you than God is. Your will will be more will to <laughs> More real to you. People say, people say God is real to them, but in trials and temptations and oppositions, he's not. He's just not. We should be at the point that we're not even conscious of these things anymore. How many of y'all there? How many of y'all there? Huh? Huh? We should be at the point that we're not even conscious of these things anymore. That we're just passing through the trial. No stop sign. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Trust, this is what you trust. You trust his love. Because he created you from love. He created you to be loved. And that's what you trust. He loves me. He loves you. He sent Jesus as a messenger of that love. Now, you can imagine if you sent an ambassador out so that you could meet love, or he would tell you about love. But can you imagine meeting the one that sent him that's what the church has not met the Father. They met Jesus. They bumped into him. And then now they go from church to church trying to find him. And let me bump into him one more time. Let me get saved one more time. Colossians 3.14, above all things, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. There it is right there. Ideal harmony. This is how you know you got it. 
Get desperate for God's love. Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, have you grown cold to someone else? Has anybody grown cold to someone? Amen. Maybe it's God you've grown cold to. Because listen, if we're grown cold to someone, we've grown cold to God. Because God is first. I always tell people that, you know, that are angry. I said, you're just angry at God. No, I'm not angry at God. I love God. No, you're angry at God. Because when you meet his love, you won't be angry at the people. You'll love people unconditionally. It all starts with God. If we've grown cold, we've grown cold to God. We've got to get back into that relationship of worship and prayer and intercession. Christian, listen, Christianity is the only religion based on love. Isn't that crazy? And you go to most churches, you can't find it. Christians are known by their love for one another and their love for God. But there's a great deficit in the church. Most people who leave churches today say there was no love in that church. Isn't that right? Could it be that they didn't recognize it? Because it could have been there. But my vertical relationship is not quite right, so my horizontal relationship is not going to be right. John 1, 1 John 4, 8, He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. If we're not laying our life down for someone else, we don't know God. We don't know Him. Listen, the reason we get offended is because we are not walking in love. Let me all get offended. I used to get offended all the time. But if we get offended by what people say, then we're not walking in love. We're the problem. God just used a person to trigger it. He wanted us to feel it. Hey, get this right. To know God is to walk in his love. Walking in his love is not walking in your gift or your calling. And that's where most of the church leaders are because I minister to a lot of these pastors and I know that that's their love walk is their gift and their calling. That is not the love walk God is talking about. The love walk is not getting offended, laying down your life for people. Christians have lost the supernatural love that they met at salvation and have waxed cold. The mystery of the love of God is the biggest mystery in the church today. It's the biggest mystery in the church today, the love of God. You all getting this tonight? I'm moving ahead. When God gives me a message, he gives me a book. Kingdom Life Ministry needs to be known as a church, a ministry of power and love. God's love is a mystery to the church and to Satan. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. And we're almost finished. Let's, let, me, let me look at these few scriptures right here. Might take another couple hours now. At least I see smiles on faces now. I used to see frowns on faces. Like I just sucked the last little bit of life they had in them. 
God's love is a mystery to the church and to Satan. Let's look at second, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. I didn't put that on there, but God's love was a mystery to Satan because his plan was manifested through love. Do you ever want to be a mystery to Satan? Then walk in love. He'll never figure you out. He'll never figure you out. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Isn't that amazing? Satan thought he had Jesus. Amazing. God's plan of salvation was manifested through love and caught Satan off guard. How many people you all cut off guard? Just totally caught him off guard with your love. We see it all the time around here. Carrie, Lee, all of us see it. Off guard. Is Satan being caught off guard in your life by dying to self? Or is Satan on guard protecting self? Love is the only thing that Satan cannot counterfeit. Satan can counterfeit anything from God except love. Satan's attempt to counterfeit love is called lust. Satan's attempt to counterfeit love is called lust. I'm going to tell you, there's so much lust out in the world right now. Women marrying women, men marrying men. I mean, I, I, man, can you imagine? It's sad that we're living in a day that it was like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a frightening thing that's fixing to happen. It's worse. It's worse. Satan's attempt to counterfeit love is called lust. What is the definition of a lust? An intense desire for somebody. Well, that desire is just taking you over. <laughs> all you do is think about that person. You, all you do is want to be with that person. Listen, if that person has taken the place of God, then it's lust. There's no lust in the kingdom of God. Where's my music? When Satan sees a Christian operating in love, he sees he's ready to use his power. Love is power. All right. Revelation of love of God separates us from natural love. What are the marks, what are the defenses between natural love and God's love? God's love is unselfish. Natural love is selfish. That's the easiest way to define it. Selfish love is perverted love. Unselfish love is divine. And just keep it that simple and leave here tonight with a mindset to make this commitment that I'm not going to view my wake anymore. I'm going to pass through it. I'm going to turn from looking at that body. It is amazing how people just kind of look over dead people and remember all the memories and all this kind of stuff and there's nobody there. Jesus already crucified this old man. He's already dead. But he's given us the challenge. I call it the love challenge. To bury the old man. That's the real test of love that God is looking for. 
and all of us is will I bury the old man for his love. Yes, sir. Yes. Charlie Brown. Isn't that awesome? Frank Callen Boys and Girls Club, 100th year celebration special meeting. Opening prayer, Charlie Brown. Bring the glory of God in there, Charlie. Amen? Yes. Praise God. That's awesome. We've seen some changes in Charlie Brown, haven't you? <laughs> I saw a real change when he got up here and started dancing. I saw him hovered over his wife. I said, Lord, don't let him fall out in the spirit right now. <laughs> Praise God. All right, so we're going to leave here tonight with a mindset and a commitment to die to selfishness, die to self. Amen. And look forward to our next level of death. Because it gets easier. And listen, you won't even know you're going through a death situation. Once you get at some level. It'll be around you, but it's not going through you anymore. There are certain things around us that have to continually die off of us. Even though they're not in us no more. But that things are dying around us all the time that we don't even realize it's happening. Because we got the vertical relationship with God right. We're doing our living sacrifice. We're not being conformed to this world. We are being transformed by the renewing of our, our minds. Amen? Come on, let's stand up and give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I ask that you bless the hearers tonight, Lord, I just seal the word of God tonight with your power and your presence. I seal it with the Holy Spirit, which is already in them, as a guarantee of their success in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Hold up. Hey, guys, we forgot to make one announcement. Um, Paige and I's House of Zion begins Wednesday night. I don't know how this, we, we did, we just simply forgot. We're going to start at 6.30. So, so if um, anybody wants to join us, 6.30, uh, my house. Amen? Uh, this, uh, Lee had a, I'm going to use her example. Lee went to babysit with um, Emily. And they watched at um, Carl's and Mamie's house, and they watched uh, Fireproof, which is a movie about relationship, uh, about marriage and relationship. And uh, Lee came back very excited about watching that movie. And part of it was The Love Dare, which um, for 40 days, uh, the man was there to do certain things in order to change the relationship with his wife. And she didn't even really know what was going on. Um, he, she, she just, he just changed in front of her. And so as part of 
Valentine's, um, Gene suggested that we get the love dare and give it to couples, um, that they may do the challenge um, and read the devotions, which is very good. And if you see the movie Fireproof, you will understand really what it's about, and it's really good. In addition to the roses for the women as they're leaving, the men get the leftovers. <laughs> okay, so we have, um, we were able to get six copies, and so um, couples in here tonight, um, let's see, Chris and Tori, they get one. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Wendy, where are you, Wendy? Is she? Wendy and Eddie? Yeah. Yes, we're going to order more. Mamie and Carl. Oh, okay. Oh. That's right. Rima and Richard. But you, I don't know if y'all need that there. <laughs> Tom and Brenda. Hold up, hold up. We're not done yet. Listen up. Man, uh, this was a blessing. Um, because don't we want to go forward in God? Some of us, you know, sometimes we get to a place and we don't know how to keep progressing. And uh, I know I've been seeking that. And I got, I got a little taste of the teaching early in the week. Man, and I've been eating that thing. And it's, uh, what, eating that thing? Isn't it funny how <laughs> I love what the words God put in my mouth, man, because it's different. I sometimes don't get up here and know what I say, but I think it's awesome because I really have devoured it. Because I'm ready to go to the next place in God. We can never get complacent. And we know complacency comes um, when you love yourself too much and you get satisfied with where you are. And what we're experiencing here is an elevation in God and a depth to ourselves. So I thought that was an awesome message. Um, and I just look forward to seeing everybody die. <laughs> and eat that too. She got it back there. All right, if y'all want to stand, close your eyes. We're going to uh, pray the prayer of salvation. Heavenly Father, uh, y'all repeat after me, sorry. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on Jesus right now. I am a sinner, and I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day to give me life eternally with God. I break every covenant that I have made with the enemy, with my flesh, and the world. Father, I ask you to forgive me, and I ask Jesus 
to come into my heart and live your life in me and through me. I repent of my sins and surrender my life totally to you as Savior and Lord. Amen.